ndashim bro wicare ziko mushukwa no kutagira byinshi kandi mushaka kubaho neza mushaka no wabishira amafaranga y'ishuri kandi mwese murabizi nubwo buri mwaka ngomba kubisubiramo uramutse twahinda waba wica icyo kizere narashonje ndi kwiga ndacyabashye kugira ico nigeze ukwiye gukora kava mu byurimo abakurambere bawe bahingaga kugira ngo sokuru nanyo gukuru bagire ubuzima bwiza Aiko nawo bagombye kuba bahinze. None nange ndahinga ngo ngubu buzima bwiza. Kandi ari nje warukuye kuva mu buzima. Eso mwana nabatiswa. Seza mwitande. Zamwitirizimo Nanjanuka Mazu dujenda wemye uzuhuriwe uzinukuru mwana w'Imana Sabune abarangahe Sabune nigihumbi Nzamwita Queen kwari umwami kazi y'umutima wanje Queen bite Queen Queen bite Bazwa nuko yavuke mu bibazo niko bigenda iyo seda hari Nababyeyi bangaye uzibameze nkatwe Nuko rero tuzabigenza Twese tuzajya twizigama igiceri kijana buri cyumweru. Direktori w'ikigo cyacu yajya gatubwira umwana w'umukobwa aramutse atwaye ubuzima bwa burangi. Tuzubaka ubuzima bwacu nta pfunwe dufite. Nubwo twababaye agahinda kacu kazahinda kumuneze.
Church, before I invite Pastor Nathan up to share, I want to share a little bit about um, just missions and some of the things that we've been doing. Um, I, I think something that we can safely say for all of us is that over the last two years, we've heard a lot of hard news. Um, we have a lot of bad news. And personally, that's been something that I've wrestled with. But it's stories like this one that you just saw. These are the stories that really remind me that God is still doing something. He's always doing something, like we sang. And he is still good. And he doesn't just um, does things himself. He uses people. And this is a, such a great reminder for me that we can partner with him in what he's doing. Um, one thing that Nathan and I firmly believe in when we think about missions is that everyone has an intrinsic value and dignity. And that means every person has their own story to tell. Like the girl you saw on the video, like her child, every person has a unique story within God's redemptive narrative. And because of that, there's actually no one-size-fits-all formula or program to walking with people or you know, dealing with issues like poverty, um, social injustices. One of the things that Nathan and I get to do is we identify individuals and organizations who are uniquely responding to God's call to help those in need, and we explore ways to see how we can support them and walk with them. So Hope International is one of the organizations, but if you turn to the screen, we, have, um, we also partner with different organizations globally, International Care Ministries, Hope. Um, we have all the way to the other side of the world, Vine, Vermont. Um, it was started by Dinesh and his wife, who were actually part of our community before they moved to the U.S. Um, we also have missionaries in the um, Philippines. Uh, we support different organizations in, in those places. I can't remember. Philippines, Thailand, Cambodia. And Nathan and I actually get the privilege of really hearing what, what's going on outside of the world, especially during this pandemic. Um, we can't visit them physically, but we've been able to just hear from them through Zoom. <laughs> but um, in Hong Kong, we also support different local partners. Um, as you can see on the top, different organizations actually focus on different things. So Sons and Daughters, um, HK Dignity Institute, they're organizations that do work in um, anti-human trafficking. We also partner with um, uh, missionaries who do campus ministries. So one of the things that we recently also started exploring more is actually supporting the different community expressions within the Vine that wants to live missionally in their neighborhood. So we have community groups. We have just different people coming together, even within Wan Chai community, um, exploring how to serve the people down our streets. Um, so that's really exciting for us. We don't have all the answers, but we're just really grateful for opportunities to explore together with you guys. Um, so another thing that we like to do is to actually inform and equip our congregation. That's something that Nathan and I are both passionate about. And this is what we call pathways. Um, pathways is something that we highlight at different times of the year, focusing on different topics. So over um, a time of four to six weeks, we, inv we invite those who are interested in a journey of learning about an issue and then actually exploring the connection between their current spheres of influence and their passion. So you can see on the screen, the, these are the five main areas that we highlight. Um, would encourage you to keep your eyes out, 2022. 
Um, but one of the highlights I want to share for me personally with the, these pathways is actually our first pathway um, focusing on anti-human trafficking. Um, we had a, a woman who was a lawyer, who is a lawyer who joined our pathway. She's also a mother. And when she learned about the issue of human trafficking globally, she started learning about the issue of child trafficking. And she didn't know this previously. And for her, um, it hit her really hard because she's a mother. And so she began to explore the connection between that passion and her job as a lawyer. She started studying, um, looking into things, researching, and asking questions, what can she do in her current spheres of influence to respond to this need? So that's something that's really exciting for us. Um, and without further ado, actually, I want to invite Nathan up, as he actually would be able to share more about what's on his heart and what it looks like, actually, for us to live missionally in our day-to-day -day life. Awesome. Thank so you. So can we stretch our hands to pray for you? Yeah. <laughs> Before you do that, just one yes. quick question. Um, because this one's online, right? Is, do I have beard hair like like on my mask? Is it all right? Yes. It's good. Nathan actually keeps it. It's going to be immortalized. So I want to make sure it looks. He has a comb sometimes in his pocket. <laughs> but yes, can we pray for Nathan? Um, Jesus, we thank you for Nathan's life. We thank you for the message that you've put on his heart. And actually, I would say it's his life message. Um, Father, I pray that as he speaks right now, that you would be in, that you would anoint his words. Yeah and that you would speak to all of us, that you would open our hearts to hear what you want to say to us individually right now in this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Awesome, thank you, Michelle. Church, I wanna start out by asking you a question. When was the last time that God asked you a question that totally floored you? A question that so completely caught you off guard. The type of question that just because he asked you you already know what the answer is, but it still deeply challenges you. Early one morning at a breakfast in 2012, God asked me one of those questions. And as I was listening to the speaker that morning share his journey to faith, I was a 26-year-old, and as much as a 26-year-old can, I thought I had a pretty good plan for the rest of my life, right? I was working in finance, I was dating the girl that was about to become my wife, and over the next 30 years, I had planned to build my resources, to build my relationships, to build my connections to a point that when I hit 55, I could turn that back around and invest it into God's kingdom. In reality though, I was sitting in that chair completely oblivious to the bomb that God was about to drop on me. Now, I had been shaping my plan for a couple of years at that point, right? I, it wasn't like the, the back of a napkin type of plan that you do when you sit down at a cafe. Now, I see I had a two-year plan, and that two-year plan was going to go into a five-year plan, and that five-year plan would then set me up for the 30-year plan, okay? I was pretty confident. It was the long game, sure, but God was gonna support this idea because I was doing it for Him. Now, the speaker at that breakfast, he and I had something in common, right? We both thought, that the most impacting way that you could get society to see the church was to create something so extravagant that when they laid their eyes on it, they couldn't help but come running to the church to learn more about the God that we serve. That perspective is what made hearing the question that God asked me so much harder to hear. 
It wasn't just because it called into doubt the plan that I had. It called into doubt the actual purpose that I had, I thought, for my life. Now, I expect some of you are probably thinking, what is that question that he's talking about? I'd imagine some of you are probably thinking, well, if that question has upended two people's lives already, maybe I don't want to hear what that question is. But I'm going to tell you anyway, all right? But I will say this. If there is any upending to happen, we're going to do that together, all right? I won't take responsibility for it, but I will be with you as you walk through that. Does that sound good? All right. Well, this is it. All right, this is the question that God asked me, which really has gone on to define over the last 10 years what it means for me to live missionally. He asked me this question. Nathan, would you be satisfied with me if all I ever had for you to do in this life was to love the person next to you? If I stripped away all of the plans, all of the ideas, all the desires that you have to change society, to give people the opportunities that you think that they believe, would you still be satisfied with me? Instead of the large-scale impact that you wanted to see, the, you know, the unraveling of unjust, unjust systems that happen, instead of like bringing large amounts of people to me, if all I called you to do was love the person next to you, would you be satisfied with me? Church, I'm going to be honest with you. That question hit me like a freight train. Yes, and everybody can just turn around because this is definitely not water. Thank you. It's the 11, so you, if my voice goes, you guys are getting the best of it, right? So I answered that question at that point in time because I figured, you know, that God already knew what was happening in my heart. There's probably a reason he asked me that question anyway, right? So I answered it as you should, with honesty, and my reply to God was this, no, I don't think that's enough. Because you see, in my mind, there was too much pain in society, right? There was way too much brokenness. There was too many people suffering from physical and spiritual issues. And the church, we as Christians, we had only just, we haven't even begun to grasp what it meant for us to be able to reach out to them and meet them in their need. Right, I believed that if there was 7.8 billion people on this earth, right, and if 31% of us identified as being Christians, and then I took a really conservative one in five of that 30%, that would give us 480 million people. And if there was 480 million people who honestly believed in the full authority of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, then we should be seeing on such a large scale of people's lives being transformed and society turning to Jesus by the masses, right? The church should literally be barnstorming across the world, knocking people out with the transformation that can only come through the gospel, right? That was the mindset that I had. That was the mindset that I wanted the church and Christians to pick up. Right? My career was about gaining the knowledge, the resources, the relationships, so that when I hit the halfway mark, I could arrive with all of my giftings and sow that into the kingdom of God. From my perspective, right, the world was yet to see what a truly dedicated Christian could achieve. And clearly, God had a lot of work to do on me. Right, three years later, um, God reminded me of this question as I was crying my eyes out on a flight to Manila. 
Earlier that day, I was sitting in a jail cell visiting a lady named Grace. Grace was being held in a small jail with about 250 um, other women, probably about the same size of the auditorium here. Right, these women were there waiting to have their cases heard before a court. They hadn't been trialed yet. They hadn't been sentenced yet. They hadn't been found guilty. Right, they had been arrested either in the act of committing a crime or being under the suspicion of doing something illegal. <clears throat> Grace was one of those women who regularly visited by one of our missionaries that came from this church, Adrian and Ida Bell. Right, she was a single mother in her 40s, had three children, and had recently lost her husband to cancer. And she'd been living in that pre-trial jail for two months, waiting to have her case heard in court. It was a messy and complicated situation which only got worse for Grace. About two weeks earlier, she went to the local hospital to get some scans done. And the doctors there told her at that point, Grace, that you have stage three breast cancer. Now when you're in that situation, treatment options are pretty limited. Right? Grace didn't have the opportunity to go down to the local public hospital to get treatment. She didn't even have the money to hire a personal lawyer, a private lawyer, just to get her court case brought up earlier. She was sitting in that jail cell, watching the days go by with a disease that would end her life without treatment. Now, Grace and I shared a connection at that point that rose above our circumstances. Our connection went above our languages, it went above our culture, it went above whatever laws she may have broken. Because as Grace and I sat there in that overcrowded jail with tears in our eyes, we connected to the very essence of our humanity. And responding to somebody who shares with you that they have just had cancer, that's not always an easy thing to do. But let me tell you, it's even harder when you, just two years earlier, had, had the doctors say those same words to you. Nathan, you have cancer. On the flight out of Iloilo that night, as soon as the cabin lights went off, I broke down in tears <laughs> and I grieved for Grace. For the fact that she was facing the same uncertainty, the same questions without answers, the same fear that I did, but with the very real probability that unless something significantly changed in the system that she was caught within, that with each day, that sentence was going to become more and more likely to be a death sentence for her. Right? Her experience broke me because even though we shared that cancer journey, it completely contrasted my own. My journey with cancer was relatively short-lived. Right? It only took a week between the diagnosis to when I was in the hospital getting the tumor removed. Right? And I received that amazing treatment for no other reason than the fact that I was born in a privileged country they had fairer access to health services. So that night, I got pulled back to the question which God has used to literally shape my understanding of what it means to live missionally. If all I ever had for you was to love the person next to you, the person like Grace, would you be satisfied? Now, I'm going to make a guess that this probably isn't the typical perspective that you'd expect to hear on a morning, Sunday morning about missions, right? Because missions is normally about that external activity, right? The activity where we take our resources, we take our time, we take our experience, and we go somewhere to do something, the physical action out there. 
But I wanted to pick up this question today because what God has shown me since that breakfast is this. If we aren't able to internalize what it means to us personally, then we will always struggle to know the difference between doing missions and then living missionally. Right, so I wanna take a few minutes just to break down that question. Is that all right? Good, so let me ask you a question then. Where are you finding your satisfaction right now? Most of us probably approach that question from the perspective of how are my desires being fulfilled? Right, that's the narrative we experience most commonly around us. The desire to satisfy our personal needs, which includes how we expect people to see and react around us. Right? Satisfaction is about fulfilling what feels right and good to me. And over the coming days, if you think through this question, I wanna give you a little bit of an insight. The answers that start to come out from this will be really, really helpful when it comes to your relationship with God because you'll start to see some of those underlying motives that really drive our desires, right? Because the source of our satisfaction, that is so important because where it comes from is where we turn to to satisfy ourselves, right? And wherever we get our satisfaction from is what we would desire the most. And whatever we desire the most is what shapes our actions, right? Source of satisfaction, forming our desires, shaping our actions. And in the context of missions, this process is what determines whether we are building God's kingdom or our own idea of what that should be, right? And you can probably start to see the problem with the perspective that I shared with you earlier, right? Because I was looking for satisfaction in the extravagance, right? I wanted to build a kingdom that yes, it reflected elements of God, but it also looked a lot like what Nathan thinks is right, <laughs> right? And without that hard turnaround by God, my actions were going to end up driving me further away from his heart and that desire to love the person next to me. Now, I want you to see something in this, right? Because this process is not just uh, my personal interpretation of an experience that I had, right? Because we also find the same thing in Scripture, right? And I'm going to show this to you in the first five verses of Isaiah 55. I'm going to read through this. But as I do it, I want you to pay special attention to the way that he describes this process of finding satisfaction, aligning desires, and the resulting actions that come from it. Okay. Let's go from verse one. Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you'll delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See how I've made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and a commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and the nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God. In this passage, Isaiah is showing us that if we trust God, 
we will seek our satisfaction in him. And in that process of that, doing that, our desires become more and more aligned with him, which eventually forms the direction for our lives, which is so much more important than just a well thought out strategy plan, right? It opens up the opportunity to follow God, to be satisfied in him, and to live that, missionally, that missional lifestyle by being a witness to the people around us. So if we believe that missions is about this, right? If we believe it is about living our lives in a way that reflects God's intention and purpose for creation, then we have to recognize that this is only possible by walking in partnership with Him. Out of that intimacy, we have the opportunity to point others towards a relationship with the Creator and to influence the systems of injustice. But we can only do that underneath the sovereignty of God. And what I love about this is the reflection that it has with Jesus' ministry here on earth as well, right? When Jesus, he gave us these examples of a special place which we should inhabit as being part of the vine, right? He called us to remain into that place because without being connected to him, not only do we lose our ability to impact the world around us through the leading of the gospel, but we will over time inevitably find a gap growing between our desires and his. Right? Having our satisfaction anchored in Him is what we need to build healthy relationships with others, and that they, those relationships should then stretch beyond our ideas. And that's important because if you're like me, if I'm not anchored in that satisfaction with God, holding on to it is something which it becomes extremely difficult. Right? I wrestle with how this plays out in my life. You know, the desire that I have to do more, to produce greater impact, right? to scale up the kingdom of God. And the problem that happens is when we let go of that anchor, you start to see exactly what happened in my, my terrible statistical analysis of the world population earlier, right? I'm buying into my methods. I'm trying to leverage off my good ideas, my good intentions, the opportunities to influence people. But it becomes a very slippery slope away from Jesus himself when we find more satisfaction in doing things for him as opposed to spending our time with him. Right? So for us to liberate people, if we want to, to tear down the systems that oppress and enslave people, we need to have a systematic response. Absolutely, right? But it has to come with the transformation of the heart and the mind of the believer. Because even if... Even if the 480 million people, right, if we all got together and we put our heads down and we did some good things, right, we did some really good things, I would say this, at the very best, that would be an incredible social movement, but it would run the risk of losing the actual spirit and the purpose behind it, what actually started. And I want to give you an example of what this could look like, right? One of the pathways that Michelle mentioned earlier was the idea of creation care, right? Creation care being, in essence, you know, looking after God's creation, right? And taking responsibilities for either the way that we protect it or the way that we pollute it, right? This year, if you looked around the Vine Center, you have seen a couple of those little recycling bins pop up, right? That came out of an intentional decision that we took as a church to align where we found our satisfaction in the space of caring for God's creation. And it spilled over into the way that we do this as the staff as well, right? For our staff, each week we save our paper, our plastics, our metals, and our glass. 
and then we bring it in to recycle with our partner, Hong Kong Recycles. Right? That transformation started in our hearts. And out of that conviction of the Holy Spirit, it has the potential to change society around us. And that's the important part about this, right? Because if we took this as a church, imagine if the vine did this collectively, right? We didn't just recycle individually. We took it to our church. Uh, so we're already at your church. Uh, if you took it to your business, if you took it to your school, if it took it to the facilities, the complexes that we live in, and we all started to recycle, that has the foundations to be growing into something which is so much more. And the thing that I love about that, when it comes to this idea of evangelizing, you cannot find an easier platform to sharing why your faith is so important to you than through this type of engagement. Right? I do this because of my faith. I do this because I care of the environment. You'll remember from the Alternative Society that this is the exact process that Paul was teaching the church in Philippi, right? By aligning our desires with the greater good of the advancement of the gospel and following God wherever He leads us, we will find the joy in that space as we discover opportunities to lead people around us into a deepening relationship with their Creator. Okay. I think you've got the point, right? I've shared a little bit about that process in my life. We've unpacked it a little bit within Scripture. But what I want to do now is I want to bring this back to the space where we are right now. I want to bring this back to you. There's a second part to that question that I asked you earlier, right? The second part of this was love the person next to you. One of the things that Michelle and I love about being on the missions team is the opportunity that we get along to come alongside of you and walk out the journey that God has for you, right? And we actually designed our approach to missions with that in mind, right? We wanted to equip our church to be informed uh, and resourced to live out their faith in the areas that they are passionate about. We do that through our pathways. We do that through our partnerships that we have. But we also do that by walking that out with you personally, right? In discovering what your missional response can be. And that's important for us because the reality is that the journey that you are on is deeply personal, right? It's shaped by your skills. It's shaped by your experiences, your passions, right? It's the personal connection that you have to the missional expression which makes it so important. It's the reason why living missionally in your neighborhood, in the area that you do, your job that you have, why you attend this church, even the relationships that you have, they all become connections on what it means to love the person next to you, right? We have the opportunity to walk alongside of you in this area. However, we certainly don't have all, uh, all the answers and what it means to be living missionally. And a significant reason for that is because there's a collective response involved, right? We come together as a community, as a community that we do like every Sunday in our community groups during the week, when you're in your workplace and you're having some of those sort of connections with other believers, that community is a part of what it means to be supporting, releasing, and encouraging us to live out our faith. So my hope for you today is this. Even though I don't know your context, I don't know the relationships that you're in, my hope is that this opportunity that we have right now could be a moment where God gives you the insight into who he's calling you to love. And that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna create a space for this over the next few minutes to take that step together as a community. 
I've invited uh, several people to come and pray over us today. People whose voices represent four different spheres of influence that we all interact. Okay, I'm gonna ask you to bring up that four sections there on the slide. Right, we're looking at places like the workplace. So this is for people who are in an active employment form, right? And an opportunity to find where you can express to God your faith in that particular space. We have a, an area which we're gonna look at family. Right, for either your family or a family that you, you're living with, a family that you care for. We're gonna look at the next generation, the students and youth in our city, and then also the Hong Kong community. You know, the broader sense of what it means to be living in this city and living missionally as well. Right? We chose these areas because every one of us has an interaction with at least one of them. Right? And I'm gonna give you 10 seconds right now just to look at these and to choose one that most closely resonates with you. It doesn't have to be a sense of calling, but it is going to be a sphere where you're uniquely positioned to influence and live out the gospel. Instead of having myself or one of our pastoral team to do this, uh, we've actually invited a number of different people from our community to pray that prayer of encouragement and releasing over you as you go to interact with people across those communities. And to me, that's important because this is the same people who bring the perspective that you carry, right? They're the people who have the same circumstances that you're involved with, the same opportunities. So I'm gonna ask them to come and join me at the moment. The first one I'm gonna do is actually invite Tim to join us to pray over the workplace. And what we're gonna do, how this is gonna work is this. If the workplace is an area which you feel called to, I'm gonna ask you to stand up. Right, Tim is gonna pray over you. But at the end of that prayer, as we go into the next sections, don't sit down yet, right? I want you to stay standing. And as somebody stands up around you, I want you to turn to them and join us in prayer as well. Join us in prayer and what it means to be living missionally, to be able to love the person next to us, okay? And while we're doing this, if God gives you something, if He gives you a person, if He gives you a people group, if He gives you an action, that He wants you to do and respond. I want you to feel the freedom to take out your phone, to take out your notepad, and just make note of one thing that you could be doing over the next week in response to that, okay? So for the people in that particular space with Workplace, I'm gonna ask you to stand now, um, and Tim's gonna pray for you. Right, let's pray. Father God, someone who spends a lot of time at work. Lift up all of the people who are standing here, who have always been busy with super packed schedules and taking a lot of responsibilities in their duties. We sometimes focus fully on our work and forget about the purpose of life. We may not spend enough time with our families and friends to manage our health, and the most important thing, we, we, we don't have enough time to spend with you. Lord, I pray that you bring peace to our work and let you be the center of our lives. I pray for your blessing to let us be a channel of God's peace in our workplace. I pray for your courage and boldness to fill those stress, anxiety, and difficulties we are all facing at our work. Help us not to be afraid leading by examples on our fields 
in both of our performances and sharing great tes testimonies of your grace. I pray that all of you are filled with God's love and presence at your workplace. Mm. May, may you use all of us as a great tool to shine in between uh, all of our coworkers, seniors, juniors, and uh, clients and customers. Thank you that you are the ultimate father in our workplace. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you, Tim. And I ask the people who feel like that sphere of influence that you want to respond to is the family section. Um, just to stand up now, um, and we're gonna be joined by Melanie to pray over that. Heavenly Father, we lift up those fathers who are employed and spend a lot of time in the office. Lord, we pray that you would help them and give them wisdom on how to balance their time between work and families, that they will trust you for their provision. It is your will for families to grow in love toward one another, that you would enable them to be strong and courageous no matter what circumstance themselves in. Help them not to be afraid, but to stand in the faith and put their trust in you, God. I bless you to be a safe place in your family, that you would walk in God's blessings and goodness, and that the glory of God shine upon you. I bless you to be a channel of God's peace in Hong Kong. I pray, Lord, for the release of your grace on them and in their families in a new measure from this day forward for your glory. Father, we lift up all the moms who brought us up in your love and grace. Give them wisdom and understanding in all the things they face and that their hearts will be knitted together in love for their husband, children, and other family members of the... Father, we pray for the children as well. We declare that they belong to you, that they would fear you. Place in their hearts a desire to love you, know you, and live for you, God. Help every parent to train their children in the way they should go according to your word. Thank you, God, that you are our ultimate father to all families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Melanie. I'm going to ask Fran to come and pray over the Hong Kong community. Uh, for people here in the city who have an opportunity to respond to the needs that exist, would you please stand with us now? Dear Lord Jesus, as we reflect on missions and outreach today, we ask you to give us a passion for your great commission. Open our spiritual eyes, Lord, to see the needs you see, to be your hands and feet, your words, and your love to our family, our neighbors, our colleagues, our classmates, our friends, our street cleaners, the cashier at the store, the stranger on the MTR, and more. Give us compassionate hearts, Lord, and a love that comes from you yeah. because our love is inadequate. Yeah. Empower and equip us with the gifts of your spirit, Lord, to reach out to every corner of Hong Kong and the rest of the world. Give us a burden for those who do not yet know you and give us courage and boldness to step out in faith to share your love and salvation with them. 
Speak to each one of us here today, Lord. Open our eyes and hearts to a spiritual awareness of those who are in need of you. Let us not be afraid of our inadequacies because it is not our efforts or abilities. Your promise to us is that as long as our hearts are willing, you will step alongside us to reap the harvest. So place the desire in us, Lord. Fan the flame within us, Lord, to rise up and be a worker in your field of harvest. We proclaim that the workers will no longer be few because we step forward and say, yes, Lord, here I am. Take me as I am and use me in your field of harvest. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And then lastly, the next generation. I'm going to invite my friends to come and just pray over that. So if there's anyone who is seated, I imagine this is probably going to be you. Um, Join us just to pray for the next generation here in the city. Heavenly Father, I lift up in prayer the young people whose spheres of influences are in schools like myself. We know as students, we have a lot to learn. Yet we can also be an example for others in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. We seek your blessing to be the students you call us to be. Jesus, our greatest teacher, would you teach us how to stand by our friends, our classmates, our teachers, our teammates, our sports coaches, our teachers, and our bus drivers. Holy Spirit, our closest helper, may you give us boldness in our positions as students. When we need to extend ourselves to give, to care, to forgive, and to teach the people around us, grant us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we get just to be able to come together as a community, to be able to reflect on what it means to to love you and to find our satisfaction in you, but at the same time to know that that is not all that you're calling us to do. You're calling us to love the person next to you. So that as we stand here today, Lord, I just pray that you would just bless and encourage each and every one of us in the responses that we take and take the opportunity that we have to live our faith externally into society around us. Lord, we thank you for that in your mighty name. Amen.